0: So I, th- I think you're all well aware I'm always a couple of years behind all the trends, um, but I'm, I'm still kind of, kind of still, I'm still going, I'm moving, I pick them up eventually, and I think right now we live in uh, a bit of a text message culture, and I don't know about you, but it took me a while to figure out the different, like, abbreviations people use in text messages. So, you know, YOLO, you, I thought that was just like an expression of, like, excitement, like, YOLO, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, me too. Apparently, it means you only live once. Um, is that right? Okay, thank you. Good. I'm still with it. Um, the other one that's similar to it is, is FOMO. Have you heard of FOMO? Some of you, yes, no? Yeah, some of you. Um, FOMO is kind of a slang term for it's It's an acronym for fear of missing out. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today, is is spiritual FOMO, which we all should have. I I don't have FOMO very much. It's, It's actually gotten more and more as time has passed, as I've come out of my shell. When you become a priest, I was really introverted, I promise, at one point. And when you become a priest, you have to become more and more extroverted. But anyway... I'm kind of an, that person. I don't have FOMO. I'm not always wondering where other people are at or what they're doing. I usually, if I'm like at a party, I'm like, "Who are like two people I could grab that I care about and get away from all these crazy people." But then some of you are sanguines, and those of you who are sanguine, you're at a party and it's awesome, but the whole time you're scared there's a better party somewhere else, and you have anxiety about that, and you're just like, "What if there's a better party?" you know, down the road. Uh, that's weird, but that's you. So another example is my, father, my friend, Father Brady, who hopefully he's going to be helping out here at Lord's quite a bit because he's been assigned to the seminary. Father Brady's like me, but even more so. He's never concerned about missing things. He's just fine. He's fine on his own. He's fine doing his thing. And so you all know, about a year ago, we did this Camino, this pilgrimage in Spain, the Camino de Santiago. And I knew that Father Brady would be great to have him on this trip, but I knew he would say no, unless I really worked on it. And so I started asking him to consider going about nine months in advance. And I was like, Father Brady, you know, all of your best friends are going. You have nothing on your calendar. You never take vacations. It'll be amazing. We'll go to Spain. And he said no for six straight months. But then he finally caved. And then he went with us and he didn't pay for his trip until after he got back, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> and he can tell you about that when he preaches sometime. But he almost missed it. He almost missed the chance because he was fine. And what I'm hoping today, brothers and sisters, I hope you have a healthy fear of missing the call of Christ. Today's readings are all about discipleship. That's this kind of buzzword today. And all that discipleship really means is being a follower. The Greek word is methetes. It just means to be a, a student or someone who follows. And if you're going to be a Christian, if you are going to live a Christian life, you have to become a follower. And today, Jesus makes very strong demands. If you, if you follow the, the gospel reading, Jesus says things that we don't normally say in day-to-day life. He makes unreasonable demands, in fact. And one of the things I I just want to walk through this with you, there's three people today, there's three people who encounter Christ and they have three different responses to him on the way. And the context here is important. The first name for Christianity, I say it all the time and it's helpful, the first name for Christianity is the way. Christianity is not a set of boxes you check off that you believe. If you're a Christian, you're someone who is walking after Christ. Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. And so in Luke's gospel, and starting with our gospel today, it says that the days drew near for Jesus to be received up. He set his face to go to Jerusalem. And from chapter 9, where we're at today, to chapter 18, this is the way. It's a walking after Christ. It's a walking towards the cross. And this is what it means to be a Christian. And so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And as they were going along the way, the, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now I know what you were thinking. You are like, Jesus really was a hippie, right? People wonder, what does this, this mean? And my assistant, Mary Rogers, in her office, she has what we call 60s Jesus. There's this painting. And you look at it and you're like, did I do drugs this morning? I can't tell when I look at this painting. But she likes it. I don't, obviously. Anyway, the, what is Jesus saying here? If you notice, this person says, hey, Lord, you're intriguing. I want to follow you. And Jesus' point is not that he's a hippie. Jesus' point is that if you're going to follow him, it has a heavy cost. And don't deceive yourself about that. If you are going to be a Christian, it will not be easy. It will be very difficult. You will become someone who does not belong in normal social settings, who doesn't belong in the world. I wish it were otherwise. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, you're going to suffer. And anyone who says otherwise doesn't know the gospel, quite frankly, it comes at a cost. All right It costs Jesus everything to follow the Father's will. And what was expensive for Jesus cannot be cheap for us. So important. So that's the first person. Jesus warns us, we want to follow Him. Lord, I want to follow you. Praise God. Don't deceive yourself. This will cost you something. The second person on the way, Jesus calls to him, he says, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But he said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is someone who's caught up in duty. They're following reasonable things. Right? This is a reasonable this is a good thing. I want to bury my father. The Old Testament commands you to do that. But the demand that Jesus makes, the gospel, is urgent. It's not something that is always going to be there for us to follow after. Right? Jesus is not saying, "Hey, come follow me. If not, it's OK, don't worry about it. Things will be fine. This is urgent. And it takes the place of every other commitment in our life. My favorite example of this, we all like reasonable Christianity. People love to say this. One of the, the words we hate the most is extremism. And I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you. They say it to me. That's it, it, fine to be a Christian. That's great. You can go to a church on Sundays and you can be nice to people and, and maybe help out the poor a little bit. But be reasonable. Don't be extreme. Brothers and sisters, Christianity is extreme. It's not reasonable. It's meant to rock you out of your normal life. One of my greatest fears as a priest is that I will become respectable. You guys are so good to me. I love you all so much. And, and the vast majority of you frequently tell me that you really love me. Thank you. You know what Jesus says in the gospel? He says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so your ancestors treated the false prophets. If everything I say to you and if everything you stand for is respectable and reasonable to the world, woe to you, you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. Christianity is not reasonable, it's not respectable. It does not make sense to leave everything behind and go follow Christ unless unless he really is the Savior of the world. I fear becoming this kind of respectable priest, right, where everything looks great. Wow, the church is growing, and you have really nice things, and, you know, you got your teeth whitened. That's awesome. And, you know, that's, that's beautiful. That's not Christianity. What if at the end of my life I had everything right as I wanted it to go and I controlled it, and everything was comfortable? But the one thing I was created for was to lose myself. We all want this reasonable Christianity. My favorite example of this is always, you know, when I was in college and had this big conversion, and and I said, Jesus, you know, I'll follow you. I'll do anything for you. Right? You're the savior of the world. You really are God. You're the one who has the key to life and to death. You're the one who can make me what I'm supposed to be. I'll do anything, Lord. I'll go to China. You know, I'll become a missionary. Just don't make me a priest. And I used to pray that all the time and then when I started thinking about priesthood right like you you think wow like maybe I am called to, to priesthood and and people around me are like all right Brian be reasonable you're ridiculously good looking <laughs> this is this is insane right you can follow Jesus you you can do all this but let's be reasonable right now no one said that um <laughs> Right? Celibate by a choice, though, not by default. Okay. So anyway, that's a fear of mine, though. Lord, I don't want to be respectable. I want to be faithful. I want my faith to cost me something. If my faith does not cost anything, it's not real. Finally, our third disciple today, our potential disciple in Luke chapter 9 Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at home. By the way, this is the fulfillment of our first reading. In our first reading, Elisha is following Elijah, and he does go first home, and he bids farewell to his family, and then he follows him. But the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ surpasses any other priority, even our families. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow, right, who begins to work for the kingdom of God and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, there is a phenomenon today in Christianity that's been going on for a long time. And I understand why it's there. The temptation for us as humans, we want to win people over. And so we speak soft words to them. But Jesus didn't. Jesus knew that his salvation and his kingdom were worth the sacrifice. And we do people no favor when we water down the gospel for them. When we say, it's not hard, it's not tough, you don't have to sacrifice anything. A story I want to share with you today I think I might may have shared it before, but I, I can't remember. There's a, one of my favorite historical figures is a, was a Lutheran pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was, was amazing. He was a big theologian, and he has a very dramatic story. But he was convinced about this. He wrote a book about our passage today. The book he wrote is called The Cost of Discipleship. And he considered the greatest threat to modern Christianity a message that says you can be a Christian and live the same that you've always lived. He said that's the deadliest threat to Christianity. Not atheism, not hatred of Christians, but an interior disease that says you can go to heaven, you can have it all, and you don't have to leave your life behind. So Bonhoeffer says this. He says the following of Christ, right, discipleship, is not the achievement or merit of a select few. Father Brian, I'm so glad that you became a priest, but um, you know, I can, I can live my comfortable life. That's not Christianity. The following of Christ is not the achievement or merit of a select few, but the divine command to all Christians without distinction. Bless you. <laughs> You cannot be a real Christian unless you leave your life behind in some way if your life is not different, if you're not suffering for the sake of the gospel, if you do not lose friendships, if you do not have different social settings you'll never really know what it means to be a Christian Bonhoeffer knew this, so the story of Bonhoeffer great theologian well respected wrote incredible books. And then Nazism comes to Germany. And he fled. He was very vocal publicly. He vocally preached against, against Hitler and against the Nazis. And he fled. He goes to New York. He teaches at Union Theological Seminary. And he suffered greatly there because he was in anguish, <laughs> because he felt like he was sitting on the sidelines The battle for souls. And in Germany, don't kid yourselves, Nazi Germany was filled with people who called themselves Christians. Overwhelmingly so. Germany would have been in the 90s in percentages of people who identified themselves as Christians during the rise of the Nazi regime. And Bonhoeffer is in New York, and his conscience was eating him alive. And he got on a boat and he went back. And he went on the last boat that ever left America for Germany before World War II. Powerful. He knew what it meant for him. He knew what was coming. Bonhoeffer was hung in April of 1945. And I always forget if it was either a week or a month before the Allies liberated the concentration camp he was in. Christianity, if you really live it, brothers and sisters, it must cost you your life. It has to. You have to leave your former life behind. Last week, Jesus said in the gospel, If anyone would follow after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. That doesn't just mean, oh my gosh, my boss was mean to me last week and I'll smile at him next week. That's great. That's not Christianity. Any atheist can do that. Christianity is losing your life for someone who loved you more than anything. The great enemy, brothers and sisters, if you ever hear in your heart, if you hear a priest or a pastor or someone telling you, you can be a good Christian and it'll be nice and easy and a smooth path, they are lying to you and they don't know If you lay your life down, though, and here's the secret. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so depressed. Why do I go to the Lord's? (laughs) Here's the secret. It's the irony of ironies of the gospel. Right? Jesus, again, last week, he says it. He says it over and over in the gospels. Whoever seeks his own life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for my sake will find it. It's a great irony of Christianity. When you start losing your life, you'll find a joy you never thought was possible. You'll be filled with an interior peace, a love, and a faith that will make you someone who's puzzling to everyone around you. They'll say, "How is that person so joyful?" I want to close this morning. Pope Benedict, we had time with the priests this week. I have to tell you this: I was just laughing. At Pine with the Priest, I, I quoted someone, I, actually Immanuel Kant, that's another story, and I asked everybody, though, I said, can anybody name who that is? And the people who go to Our Lady of Lords, they all just kept guessing, well, it's got to be either Pope Benedict or Balthazar, because that's all you quote, <laughs> right? And they could tell from the language it wasn't Jesus. But anyway, this is from Pope Benedict, because he says it best. And by the way, if you want this quote, it's on the front page of our website. The knowledge of God is a way. It means discipleship. It is not revealed to an uncommitted, permanently neutral observer. You can't be a Christian on the fence. You can't be a comfortable Christian. If you own your life and you don't surrender it, you'll never know Jesus Christ. It is not revealed to an uncommitted, permanently neutral observer, but rather it is disclosed in the measure in which one sets out on the way. Brothers and sisters, I hope you have some FOMO. (laughs) What if at the end of your life you had everything you wanted? You have a beautiful house, you have a great family, your kids are successful the only reason you were created was for him. And Jesus is on the way. He's on the way to redeem the world. You are his followers. And the reason you exist is not to be comfortable. You exist to be witnesses to the kingdom of God. And if you don't surrender your life, you'll miss it. Lord, free us from our fears Free us from our love of ourselves and our love of comfort. Lord, may nothing keep us from going on the way. May we never stay at home. May we always follow you. May our hearts burn with love and faith and hope. Jesus, may we be real Christians.